And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. I can't wait for Al to get halfway through the show and be like, what does fish sticks and spaghetti mean? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to your most favorite show in the whole entire world. It's Under the Rear. With me, as always, your friend and mine, Dippin' Rabbit. What's going on? Good morning. (laughs) My friend and yours, and the king of Monteverde, Ian (laughs) Khan. Hello, my friends. And uh, for the third time in a row, Ariel Cohen. Not today. Oh, God. You can't even be <laughs> no. baited into this accidentally anymore. Nah, 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 nah. It, it, it may have, it may have, it may have, that, that road may have been driven. You guys have a falling out? No, not a bit. It's just, there's a, you know, I, I don't know. You got to feel it. And today is not, it's not feeling uh, the, the uh, imitation time. I did a, a minute of it last night on the GDD and I was like, ah, I don't know how much more I want to do with that. At least for now. <laughs> All right, fine. Fair. Uh, we got a, a very good show today, I think. Uh, Ian had no say in the rundown, which is disheartening. Sad. <laughs> Did you forget we were going today? You thought we were still going Friday? No, no, no. I thought we were going to... I got confused because Al put his... Al Melchior put the breakdown. And I was like looking for the breakdown. I was like, oh, there's no breakdown. It's like, where's when the breakdown? Al, I can't wait for Al to get halfway through the show and be like, what does fish sticks and spaghetti mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I just didn't. I and then I did the G, we did the GDD draft, so I figured we were going to talk some about that. But the rundown is is fulsome, as they say. It is a fulsome rundown. Very I wanted exciting. to put I want to put a bunch in there because it's you know the season starts basically next week. Um, yeah. And I just want this is called the too low show. I think that's the theme that I tried as I was building it. I'm like, all these guys I think are maybe going a little too low. Um, and you know, we, their names we haven't really talked about on the show. I don't want to keep beating the drum on the same players over and over. So there were some interesting names. Um, you know, this actually sparked by Michael Selfino wrote a, a great column about investing in baseball cards of people you like in fantasy. Uh, it's become almost like a yearly tradition. And one of them was Lewis Robert. And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, man, he's 16th, but the way Selfino's writing about him really makes me think maybe he should be like eighth. Uh, you know, with the upside and, you know, how we're treating him and some some things we're ignoring about his skill set. And some people call him the next Mike Trout. Um, I you know, No one's really the next Mike Trout. I mean, there will be a next. Anyway, the point is, I, that's how it kicked off. And then I started going down the list and be like, who else is kind of low? So we'll get into that in a minute. Um, this weekend was Tout Wars and last night was GDD. Uh, you know, I don't want to go over all the drafts, but do you two have anything uh, you'd like to share? Ian, let's start with you about either. I mean, you did two auctions, so... What popped up to you? Well, my Tout Wars was last week, uh, the week before. Right, DVR did Tout Wars, right. Oh, DVR did Tout Wars. So my uh, Tout Wars is still feeling pretty good. Uh, Dylan Floro hurt, not so fun. Jesus Lazardo getting good, pretty exciting. Um, Yeah, so that feels pretty good. GDD last night, a long night, (laughs) a long night at the computer table. Uh, Lots of of glitches. Like how long? Is this like a six-hour night? How long was the DVR? I think it was a full five. It, it picked up some speed at the end. I think one. Yeah, the reserves went well. Yeah, was, the, the reserves. Nice. Well, that's silver lining. 
Well, <laughs> I, I think when you do the salary cap draft, the key is if you don't have the nomination clock or the initial bid clock set correctly for the at least the back half of the auction, if you don't speed it up, it ends yeah. up taking you know five to six hours instead of four plus. Right, yeah. Yeah, and some people didn't would never nominate a player. They would just let the thirty seconds roll all the way down. It was like, come on, man, come on, get, you can do it. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, now nah, you know uh, who it, did it. it was, I know you don't want to name name. We'll talk. Yeah. All, we'll talk off air about who waited until this going twice. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was uh, it was a good draft, and and some of the players on that, some of the players on this list, I was able to get. So I'm sort of excited to talk about them. Oh, nice, great. Yeah, uh, serendipitous timing, I'd say. DVR. Uh, yeah, DVR. Uh, Do you notice anything you want to point out between your Tower Wars and uh, and your GDD auctions? I think I built the same team structurally twice. I didn't spend up on pitching. I think in Tower Wars, my most expensive pitcher was Evaldi for ten, and in GDD, I did not spend even ten dollars on a single pitcher. So I don't know who I'm becoming. Uh, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure why my more balanced approach has you're becoming Larry Labadini pitching. Yeah, I think I think I am, and I I don't think everyone's gonna rename the strategy or anything based on that. But I I think the problem with the going cheap on pitching isn't starting pitching at all. It's the what do you really do for your saves? Because if you don't have top end pitching, you're probably not winning ERA and WHIP and strikeouts. You can do very well in those categories going cheap, but how are you going to find enough saves to at least be top half in that category? And I think it's more likely to be churning on the waiver wire, using precious fab dollars, you know, trying to just out hustle people in season. And that's tough. Like I, I feel, I feel good about the the quality of the roster overall, but knowing that I've got the, the worst in season problem to deal with is not a great feeling despite everything else looking pretty good. Were you were you taking the tack that you know you're talking about how cheap your pitching was? Was it like a bunch of tens, or was it like a ten and eight, a two, a one, a one, a one, a one? Because in mix fifteen, I think Gene McCaffrey's the one who always says it is like you know don't or maybe it's Larry Schechter too. Don't do the uh, you know the, you shouldn't be buying seven or eight dollar players. Like this should be like high and then one dollar because that's the way the pool works out. Yeah, I mean I've, I've played that way in the past. This is more fives and sevens and nines. I got Evaldi again at nine, Tyler Malley at nine, Ian Anderson at seven, Marcus Stroman at five, Shane Boz, who's hurt at five, uh, Camilo Doval at seven really late. I, I know there are flaws with Doval, so I, I did actually get a little more invested in possible saves here than I did a few weeks ago uh, back when we did the Tout Wars auction. Emilio Pagan at two, it was kind of a panic. He got thrown early, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, we have no idea who the closer for the Padres really is. I I actually don't think it's Pagan, so I, I regret that one. Um, Casey Myers and Merrill Kelly for a dollar. I, I I still think it's Luis Garcia from the Padres. Like I, I think the, the former Cardinal, I, I just have this creeping suspicion they see him similar to how they saw Mark Melanson when they brought in Melanson last off season, but I don't have anything to go off of beyond gut feel and, and just underlying skills and they they could mix and match. The Padres the Padres could be like the Rays and the Mariners and the teams that we look at and say, we really don't have one closer. That could easily be them, but the difference might be that the quality of those options might be a, a tick below the options in those other bullpens. Like if, if I go to the Seattle bullpen, 
And I throw a dart there, whether it's Giles or Seawald or Andres Munoz. I'm pretty excited about any of those pitchers as my last pitcher temporarily, even if they're not getting saves. And then if I have to cut them later, no big deal, right? It's it's fine. You can take a chance on someone else. But the what do you do with saves, I think, is the hardest thing about cheaping out on pitching right now because there's so much inflation on the closer pool. Pierce Johnson has been getting a lot of buzz and I hadn't really considered him, then looked at his numbers when he came back from Japan, and he's been awesome. I'm riding Pierce Johnson, my NL onlys. Ian, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say that the the inflation is really high. I got caught similarly early in the in the auction last night. Somebody put out Steckenrider Rider for a buck, and then I was like, oh, Steckenrider Rider, two bucks. Let's just fill a spot. And then as the draft went on, as the auction went on, I was just really frustrated. I was like, gosh, that's the one... Uh, spot that I'm not I'm not really ha- happy with using at that such an early time, especially with the way the auction went with it was so hot at the top, like people were spending like crazy, um, real stars and scrubs vibe to the first like 30, 40 picks. Uh, so I was like, ah, and then, you know, I got, it, you know, it, it's, it's a, each auction is its own experience, its own kind of like piece of art, you know, where like you're going and like you think you got your handle on it and then all of a sudden it gets away from you for a second and then you try to, you know, get it back again. Um, but yeah, I ran into the same thing with Second Rider and, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I was sad when you were mentioning the Seattle pitchers who might get saves and you didn't mention second rider um, because <laughs> I'm like, that's the one I got. Uh, but but I ended up getting uh, closers late um, because they were going crazy. I mean, 25 was Hater, 20, 25, and uh, Hendricks was also like 25. Class A was 23, I, I think, maybe 22. I ended up getting uh, two guys at the end that I kind of like in Taylor Rogers for 14, which I was talking, I was with Robert Mershak and I said, this is good. This could go up to 16 easily at this point. Cause really that was like the end of the closers almost, but not really. Cause there was also Gregory Soto who ended up going cheap and Matt Barnes. I took, I think for nine, I had already grabbed Garrett Whitlock for four. So I'm pretty excited about that because I think Barnes is looking great this, uh, this spring. So I just didn't spend up on the big ones, which was always sort of the, I was like, I think in February and March when we didn't have any understanding, paying the extra for the Hendricks and the Hater and the Class A made a lot of sense. And now, like, I felt I felt better about taking the sort of middle of the road guys who I think are going to have the job. That's fair. I feel like not much has changed outside of Kenley Jansen going to the. Bri- I feel like not much has changed at all in the closer landscape since spring training started. Since like since January, basically. Yeah, but the guys like somebody like Matt Barnes before he came out and like pitched an inning and struck out three guys before that, like it was like, yeah, I'm not touching that guy. And then it was like, oh, oh, okay, maybe you're back. Let's, 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 uh, let's roll with you. And, uh, so, so things have solidified a little bit. Like Taylor Rogers is pitching well. These are guys who are pitching well. So, uh, and then like, you know, news like Bednar and, uh, what's the other guy's name? Jeez. Joe Barlow. No, Bednar and who's who just they just announced that he's going to split saves. Bednar and broomsticks would be a cool rotowear shirt. <laughs> be a cool team. <laughs> be a cool, yeah. t- cool team name. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll remember it in a minute. But the uh, but like he that that Bednar is not a guy that you want now. Um, I saw Matt Williams tweet this morning talking about what is half of not very much. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, because the Pirates yeah. are going to win like thirty-two games, maybe fifty-five or sixty. 
That's just, yeah. You know, I can get behind some of these teams like the Reds that are supposed to be bad, but the Pirates I'm still trying to justify. It's very hard to be contrarian. Like, Pirates are going to be awesome. Yeah, they, yeah they're not going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to be awesome. Well aware. Oh, I got, oh, actually, I got a couple more things before we jump into these players. Uh, first of all, the A-only draft, uh, no thanks to you guys. I kind of like the team that I walked away with, um, but I didn't keep Cortez. That was a, I'm sure that everyone was hanging on that. Um, and then I got a note from a fellow writer of ours. I'm listening to Rates and Barrels, as always. They did a whole 10-minute segment on how bad quality starts and wins are and need to be replaced. If only we had a way. They didn't even mention the Money Start article. Come on. So DVR and Eno have been exposed for not reading John Leguez's work. Uh, just wanted to bring that up on our show. Now, what is the Money Start? I have not read the Money Start article. Andy and- uh, it's right. great. Yeah, but, I, I, yeah, but I, I, I don't yeah, have no the same responsibilities. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But what does it say? It was good, man. He was basically saying the quality starts garbage and wins are garbage, and there's got to be a better way to measure these guys. And he basically just figures out a better way to do it. He runs through a lot of stats, and either you know, I think he he started with seven innings pitched and three earned runs because you know that doesn't give you a four point five ERA like a six innings and three. Um, and then I think he lands on six innings and two runs as the optimal way to measure it. Like he's like there are thirty three pitchers with this, there are you know fifty seven pitchers with that, and here's the list of pitchers who ended up with this and that. Um, it's really, it's a really, it's a great article. Do people really hate wins? I kind of like them. It's like free parking a monopoly. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just part of the game for me. I don't mind it. Uh, for me, it adds a, a level of randomness to the game that I don't mind. Like you're holding on for that win. Like, oh, let me get that win, you know? And it's kind of, it's kind of fun. It can be kind of fun, I think. You know, it's like the, this this uh, friends and family league that I rejoined of mine that I created ten years ago, um, and I'm back to I'm going to be in a head to head league for the first time in a couple of years, and I'm super excited about it because it adds this kind of level of on Sunday you're like oh my god don't no 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 don't get a hit don't get a hit like the feeling that we you have at the end of a season you can have it every week in a head to head vibe right and the reason i stepped out of it was i was doing tout head to head and i was like too much head to head like you know too much head to head but it's fun to have a head to head league and i feel the same way about that randomness about wins every night it's like oh please hold on oh my god you know i was like as you were talking about the san diego situation for closers i was thinking in my head i've got snell and darvish on this gdd team i got uh snell for 11 i think darvish for 16 that's a big that's a big bet i'm I'm making on you darvish there um and i'm like oh god am i gonna lose wins because the back of that bullpen you know what i mean so i don't i mean i I understand that it's not ideal but i kind of like it i kind of like wins i think i'm alone on that but no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think we get the same end, but different means to liking wins. DVR, what's your thing, feeling on wins? I just tolerate them. Like I, I, I'm not going to not play because of it, but I, I'd rather just count innings pitched. Bulk is important, right? If you're a good starter, you pitch deeper into your games more often, and that'd be one way to reward that. I think it also, in leagues that push a lot of relievers out there, keeps reliever wins from popping up somewhat randomly. I mean, I know good teams win more games, so if you have Yankees and Dodgers relievers as opposed to Pirates relievers, then obviously you've got a better shot at, at vulturing some of those wins. But I, I, I think my problem with quality starts has always been I didn't see that as a good alternative, and as described, the money start at least it, it does the thing that we were we were asked about. Right, that was a, a listener question that came in about trying to tweak those categories, and I think they were looking at it a lot like the way John was, where it was like, well, what other requirements can you have? Like, what else can you do 
the the five innings two earned runs was the other like you know shortening it up a little bit because so many starters are out of the game earlier than they used to be and, and maybe there's a way to, to account for it and, and just make it reasonably difficult still to to get there and yeah there, there are ways to make this better but i also think the problem and this is what i said on, on rates and barrels too is just that if you start changing stats and you make them too complicated to the point where people watching the game can't just kind of know what's happening with their team then you've done a disservice to fantasy baseball because yes, yes you've made it more realistic but you've also made playing the game harder, harder. to follow along yeah. and that's not good for bringing in new players and, and keeping people engaged all right that's our wins discussion check out more on rates and barrels the award nominated the award winning rates and barrels and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This is under the radar. Let's get to some players. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to go down. The, I, I do want to start at Luis Robert, and is he too low at 16? And then, you know, I'm not going to go like Witt, Bell, Pablo Lopez. We'll, we'll bounce around a bit to some fun guys. But I do want to pose this one. Is Luis Robert, are we missing that guy who's going to make that jump from like 16 to next year where like, he's my number three? Like, are, why, are we, why are we not so hyped and foaming in the mouth about Luis Robert? Uh, Mr. Van Ryba. The reason I think is that Everybody ahead of him, if I'm not mistaken, has more experience in the big leagues already. So you're not hoping for the full, healthy, great season that that he's flashed over parts of two years now, right? We're talking about less than one full season's worth of plate appearances, a 294, 345, 512 slash line. It's great. The K rate came down last year. I think it's really interesting that a lot of guys that go in the first round walk more than Robert did last year. And in his debut, he had an 8.8% walk rate. So we don't even know where that skill is going to land. Projections put him in the 6% range. There are other first rounders that walk at that lower sort of rate. I, I think you could probably, if you were trying to talk yourself into a high-end argument of what's the best case scenario, a, a Beau Bichette roto profile is probably what you're looking at. Because if you take the best parts of what Luis Robert has done, you're getting power, you're getting speed, an efficient base dealer, and you're probably getting a high average even if that K rate kind of creeps back into the low to mid 20% range after the improvements a year ago. Is it Robert? Am I, am I Robert? Am I suddenly? I thought it was Robert. I thought, this we go this has been year? going on for three years, and it's because the White Sox broadcast was saying it the way that they thought he wanted them to say it, and then he was it doing an interview and he said, well, actually, in, in my country, it's pronounced Robert. And even that, I, I feel like I'm still not saying it right. I'm trying to say it right. And everyone's like, well, why is DVR being a d 
and saying it in some accent that no one else is using. And it's like, <laughs> I'm just trying to pronounce his name the way he actually wants his name to be pronounced. <laughs> That's all I want to do. So I'm not trying to be pretentious or annoying. <laughs> I'm just trying to acknowledge how this man wants his name to be said. Well, Luis, Luis Robert doesn't sound right. That doesn't roll like Luis Robert makes a lot more sense to me. Totally. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's like uh, Rudy Gobert in the NBA. Same thing. Yeah. His name's yes. not Rudy Gobert. It's Rudy Gobert. The, the origins of the name, I think, are very similar. I'm going to roll with Robert. On your teams or as a pronunciation? No, as a pronunciation. Let's go with Robert. That's how, it, it always makes Louis, Louis Robert sounds like, you know, Robert Mitchum. That's what I'm saying. It just doesn't sound right. Yeah. Yeah. Some guy from, from Wisconsin, uh, Robert, <laughs> Bobby, Louis Robert. Now let's go with Robert. Analysis, please. Analysis, please, Ian. That's all I got. <laughs> Louis really? Robert. This yeah, guy Louis hit 401 as an 18-year-old in the Cuban leagues. Oh, 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 analysis about Louis Robert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what you got it. I thought you were talking about the name. No, the name's fine. I think we got it. You know, I I got to say, like, I, I think he's in the right spot, certainly, for this year. Uh, I find myself not leaning to him. It's something about it I don't fully trust. And it, it's he's one of those guys that's like, hey, Look, he might be amazing, and he's just going to be amazing on a different team. I just don't, I, I don't want the risk. But sometimes he looks just amazing. I think I, in the back of my head, I have 2018, where you know he had like, which seems like the problem has gone away, but where he had zero home runs and like hit like 250, and everyone was like, oh, what a bust, you know. I think that that's in the back of my head. And if you're looking at the top 15 guys, they've all proven it for a really long period of time. So is there the upside? Can you see that he's going to be a top five pick, top three pick next year? Yeah, you can. Um, can you also see the downside that he get hurt again, you know, and he could, you know, the fall to 70th and next year. And, you know, yeah, it's possible too. So, you know, guys who are, I'll take Mookie Betts ahead of him in a redraft league right now. Fair. Uh, that's fair. I mean, Which Mookie is the Betts- same about area i consider mookie Betts. yeah yeah kind of yeah and that's where Betts is going and i I, seems so more i mean you get the turn and do bets and robert and look at that yeah you can and and he's got he's got upside so you know it's the fun part about fantasy baseball it's really about taste you know we talk about we talk about value 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 and that's true but it's also like who do you believe in like you got a guy on this list that i'm gonna jump to real quick and noah Syndergaard, where i've got people who say to me I spent $6 on him last night in GDD and pumped my fist. And I have people who are like, that's the dumbest move you can make. No, like, no, that's no, a, no that's way, a waste. Man. That's a waste of time and money. And, and I'm like, yeah, is that I cushion? don't know. Is that cushion? Because it sounds no. like you almost did a cushing voice. No, 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 no. No impressions. Yeah. No impressions. Right, okay. But um, it was, uh, it, you know, I felt great about it. And I still feel great about it. Um, because I think the, the Angels know something. They paid $25 million for him this year. And I'm willing to throw six bucks down on him. Late Arde Moreno, number one owner in baseball. Number one owner in baseball. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. If you look at him when he when he wasn't doing like a half injured season, Noah Syndergaard had an amazing ERA, amazing whip. He's far enough away from Tommy John, according to inside injuries, to be effective. Like there's no, I don't know what the problem is. He was only up to 95 yesterday, but I watched, I, I watched highlights of that start. And there's something about the way the ball just pops out of that guy's arm, out of that guy's hand that I just love. And I've always been intrigued by, and I always end up, you know, there are guys who like you just draft every year and you make sure on your team every year. And Syndergaard's one of those guys for me. Like Giolito is one of those guys for me. I, I, I did a TV show with his mom. I think I talked about it once on the show. So I believe like, we did. I, I like 
having Lucas Giolito <laughs> on one of my teams. So just so I can root for him because I'm like, go Lucas Giolito. My, my old manager used to represent knew him growing up and she was like, oh yeah. So, you know, I, I enjoy that. And that's part of what fantasy baseball is about guys. Like, let's not forget that there's only one winner of the 15 teams and one winner of a 12 team, one winner of a 20 team. And if the only person who's having fun is the guy or woman who wins, that's a shame. That's a lot of sadness. So part of the part of the joy of the game is getting guys that you like. Louis Robert is a guy that people love. If you want to take Louis Robert at eight or nine, and you're saying you think about him the way the DVR thinks about Kyle Tucker, that's awesome. Take yourself Louis Robert at eight or nine. That's your without question. You know, it's not just about winning. Winning is good. Winning is fun. But it's also about enjoying watching your players, especially if you're only playing in one league or two leagues. Get guys that you like. Get guys that you enjoy. I shed so many leagues this year. This is like this is the happiest I've been. Yeah, I feel so I, great. I will be shedding moving forward. Oh, it's, you got to do it, man. I'm down to I'm down to like five from twelve, yeah. and it's just like this incredible weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. Yeah, I bet it's uh, it's sometimes the the auctions the the, the drafts just get and you know and then it's just a lot. It's like a daily. Yeah. You feel like every night you got a new one. It's a lot. It's a lot to do, but yeah. Hopefully, my, my, what I was thinking about last night as I was sitting down to do another one was because I did one Sunday and then I did one Monday as I was like, you know what? But then I get to enjoy the league for the rest of the year. So, you know, but that's not how you want to be thinking about it. You don't want to be thinking about that's eh, too much, too much fantasy baseball because it is right. it is it is s- s- really fun. It is really fun. Who's next? This is a great list. Uh, so I want to go to Joey Bart at 277 uh, starting catcher for the San Francisco Giants who have discovered and unlocked something uh great top prospect numbers have been great it just seems like people don't like him at all i mean like, for years it was like joey bart's the next big thing joey bart you know, he's being blocked by buster Posey. buster Posey retires joey bart ascends takes over the starting catcher role and he's at 277 um and this i mean reason nfbc adp which is two catchers too so uh i i mean i would assumed it would have been 200 at worst, maybe like 170 as we move closer to the season. But Joey Bart still caught down at 277. DVR, explain yourself. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I did this by myself. <laughs> this is DVR ADP. I, I'm looking at Bart. Diver I, I think I'm just wondering. He hit for average at AAA in a half season last year. And I just don't think that's part of what you're expecting from him, even if you like him. I think you're seeing probably more more of a Mike Zanino profile, and if you get more than that, terrific. But I think the amount of swing and miss in the profile is a big part of why Bard is going as low as he does. All that is to say, like playing time is kind of key here. I think Kirk Casale is a good backup, but not anything more than that. He's not the kind of guy that you want to have playing probably more than two out of every five times to the rotation. So Bart should have more than half the starts. He could carve out a larger role in that. He's a good defender, so he's got that going for him. If he's handling the pitching staff well, that can drive his playing time. I just wonder for a guy that he struck out 29.4% of the time when things were going well at AAA last year, how much is he going to strike out figuring it out against big league pitching in an expanded role this year? And how much does that hurt us in the batting average category? The power, I think, is legit. We know the Giants have done a really good job 
with hitters the last two seasons. Great coaching staff there. So there's there's ways it can go right. But how long will it go wrong first before he starts to put it all together? Ian, are you uh, on or off Joey Bart? Especially 277. When DVR does does that kind of smart analysis, you just right. got to tip your cap and go, well, that's why you're the best in the game there at, at talking about this stuff. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's just so many other catchers right now, and I think that we're going to find there's so many good prospect catchers coming up that the game is changing about catchers. And uh, getting, I mean, who would you rather have, Omar Narvaez or Joey Bart? For me, I would rather have Narvaez, you know? Uh, and they're going in the same... Isn't the point of draft where you can get both though? Can't you be like, let me just bang yeah, my two could. catchers out here? Narvaez Absolutely. And Bart? Yeah, yes, yes. And in last night, I got kind of caught. I don't know if I got caught. I took Sal Perez for twenty four dollars. I had him. I was like, I think it was it's one of those weird moments where it was like twenty two, and I I was at twenty two, and then at the last second somebody hit twenty three, and I was like, ah, I still like the deal here. I'm going to take him at twenty four. But I liked the idea of late catchers cheap. You know, and so Joey Bart falls into that category and again goes back to taste, right? So if you see Joey Bart and you see the future of the San Francisco Giants and the next Buster Posey with power, but not as much hit tool, clearly, then like, you know, there, that's your number two catcher, even your number one catcher. And you can go with him and Travis Darno. Some people love Aaron, uh, uh, what's the Nola dude? Austin Nola? Uh, yeah, it's not Aaron Nola. That's the pitcher. The Nola from, uh, Austin San Diego. Nola. Austin Nola. Okay, cool. I got it right. Thanks, God. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> don't doubt yourself, man. No, no, no. It's, everything's a little foggy. We were up really late last night. Wait, was this, this like when you said someone clicked on it? Were you guys doing it on Zoom or were you running it on the CBS or CBS. Yahoo or whatever? CBS. Oh, jeez. Glenn but I mean, Colton. you were click, you were clicking though, right? Yeah, yeah. We were clicking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you we also had a Zoom. Yeah, but I wasn't in the Zoom. I just came in at the beginning and at the end and said hello and goodbye. Yeah, you got to pay um, Ian to be on video. That's, That's right. how it works. Absolutely. Without question. Dude, it shows that Lucas Giolito's mom. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you don't just no, zoom but- for free. No, but the, uh, the so so that's how I feel about Joey Bart. If Why he, did it if take you, so long? If it was, did they keep pausing? Like, oh, let's roll it back. Someone missed a thing. Like, was yeah, that annoying? Oh, was a, oh, that's the worst. So many five to five. No, that's that's minimum. It was probably like eight times, eight to ten times we had to do it. And then, and oh. I, I, let's not get into it. It's just that it was a little too. All right, we'll talk about it after the show. Yeah, yeah, nah, it's it's all right. It's all right. It, it is what it is. You know, you gotta. It's the price of doing business. Whereas if we were live, it would have been a different experience, and you could eat a you know a Caesar salad with chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Next <What>? player. <laughs> we always did it at a restaurant, and uh, and and people would order Caesar salad with chicken, or chicken fingers, or something like that. What? What? What is even going on here? No, One before the-, <laughs> the pandemic, I'll explain. It probably should explain. Before the pandemic, GDD was famous for the night of the draft. Nando would be there. Colton the Wolfman, you know, Cushing, Adamronis. Adam Rona. That's the, what I was going to say. And Heaney's back, which is great. And um, Jen Piacenti was there. Jen Piacenti's still in the league. And so we would order food and you would sit there and you would eat and you would you would auction. That's what it was. So that's how I always think of GDD. It's like you eat, you have a couple of drinks with your friends and and you auction. It's fun. By the uh, by the time they did when he did GGD, which is the football version of it, um, his friend owns a bar. Steve Cosolino we're talking about. Our friend Steve Cosolino who figured out all the Ian guys. But we're not allowed to say it on air. Oh, now you're allowed to say it. All it's right, all well, over. Next week. Feel free. Oh. <laughs> yeah, as you will. Special episode. I didn't I didn't take and I didn't take any of those guys last night. Not one. Just to spite him. No, just because everyone uh, like Jorge uh, Mateo. I could yeah. not get Jorge Mateo last night. 
Someone what put did Mateo for, go for? 11? He, uh, no, he only went for six, I think, to Colton. Glenn that's got him for that's six. That's a steal, man. Well, I had him for five, and I was like, all right, here we go. I, I think I someone bid one, someone bid two, I bid three. Someone bid quick four, I bid quick five, and then it got down to two seconds left, and Glenn took him at six. Oh, so he's the guy who's doing that. Oh, no, no, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's the way you play the game. I know, man, I know. Let that let that drop. I, I enjoy that. You used to do that, too, in the room. At GDD, you would pull it in. Uh, 17. 17. Well, yeah, you know why? Because you got to read that like that room. Like If you go too fast, people are going to know they can bid you up. Yeah. And then, like, so actually, when I when I do that too fast, that's... I'm going to stick you with someone. Like, I don't mind sticking you with a player just to spite you. Uh, you know, if it gets up a little, you know, if it's fi- if I want the guy 15 and it's already up to 18 and you're just hitting me just like, just to get me up, I'll stop yeah. and you'll get stuck with him. So sometimes yeah, that- I got to pretend like I'm hemming and hawing when I really just want to jump on him. Got it. Got it. No, that's, that's fair. It, I, I've decided I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to price enforce. Really? Yeah. You, I, I you price enforce. Yeah. You get stuck. It's I, I, so I, fun though. I guess I did it last night to uh, Ariel and Derek Cardi. I mean, Ariel Cohen <laughs> and Derek Cardi working together. It's a it's a pretty pretty strong twosome there, and um, and they had a lot of money at the end of the draft. And Verdugo was coming up, and I knew Verdugo was coming up, and I knew they were going to get a bargain on him. And it was seven, and I didn't have that much money left, but I knew that if I bid eight, they would definitely go to nine because it was still a great bargain. So that was that was the one time where I enforced. And had I gotten, there was no way I was getting Verdugo for eight because I knew that they were saving their money for that player. Um, but I, I just, that was the one price enforcement that I did. And not personal, just they had the money. I would have done, Frankie Stample also had a lot of money at the end. We got a, we did that, um, the show with, with Ariel two episodes ago and got into that a little bit, how he operates with Derek, like how the two of them can reconcile their projections to become like a two-headed monster in the same auction. It was interesting. Um, anyway, those are more, more players. More players. Let's help people. Bobby Bradley at 428. Diver. Uh, for a guy who's probably going to be the starting first baseman and is probably going to clobber 35 home runs if he gets 500 at-bats. Uh, no? No. Uh, third. Oh, let's say 28. How about nope. that? Mm-mm. Well, nope. then I Not. guess this is why he's 428. Don't All right, draft Bobby Bradley. Why? He's, I could see last year with Jake Bowers there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But now that he's got a clear path to playing time. Josh Naylor is going to finish the year as the Guardian starting first baseman. Josh hey. Naylor can hit. And Bobby Bradley strikes out too much. There's a, a Patrick Wisdom sort of strikeout rate looming here with Bobby Bradley. I just think he has a hard time getting enough plate appearances to to hit the high volume home run total. If, if injuries happen, you know maybe they have to play him. But I, I see him as more of a, a waiver wire band-aid than somebody that you want late. Good line. Waiver wire band-aid. What has Bobby Bradley done wrong in his minor league car- like career? I, I mean, like I know there's some like 228 lines in there, but what has he done wrong that will make you think like he wouldn't hold on to this job? Strikes out a third of the time, even at AAA. Like, oh, that's, that's fixable. That's fixable. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> He's 25. He's still learning. He's a lefty. <laughs> He's got big swing. Big old swing. Likes to swing big. I look, Bobby Bradley's been around for a long time. He's he's 25. Yeah, but no, but he's been around. He's been around in the prospect world for a long time. Right. right. A lot of power, a lot of power, a big dude. Um, But, you know, it's that the reason he's so low is because of what DVR said. I mean, he strikes out a lot and he swings and misses a lot. He's like Adam Dunn a little bit, Um, but maybe Adam Dunn had a long, illustrious. That's right. That's right. But I was about to say, but maybe not as good. 
You know, he's got a create. He looks a little bit like Chris Davis sometimes. Could could turn it on this year. Could could happen. I'm not counting on him. You know, I guess in an AL only, I could see uh, rostering him. I could see that. That would make some sense All in right. a corner infield spot every once in a while. I could. $11? I could dollars. Eleven dollars. No, no, no. Like three. Right. <laughs> three dollars. Okay, three dollars. AL only. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I, I would think three, maybe, maybe five, maybe. Let me take a look. I could see what he what he went for in AL labor. Um, uh, sure. But no, well, I, I, I'm down. Da- I'm down with. I'm down with what DVR is saying about that. All right. While we're doing yeah. that, there there was a trio down in the 400, 500, the four forty five, Josh Stamont. 457, Michael Givens. Uh, 508, Bruzdar Gretarol. Ooh, your boy. I'm telling you, you're, you, you, you might have something there. I think, well, Givens, Givens, I think, is more my boy than, than Gretarol, but I mean, like, it's the same idea. I think, Givens, I think Givens is going to be the closer for the Cubs. I think that's going to happen. Uh, Gretarol, I mean, like, without Kenley Jansen there, that's anybody's closer role. And maybe, you know, Dave Roberts is going to rotate to show how smart he is, but. That's still maybe like 11 saves for him, you know? That was the question I had last night because uh, Cushing spent 14 on Blake Trinan, which is, if Trinan was the guy, fully the guy, he'd be worth 18, I think. Um, but with Dave Roberts saying that he's keeping things fluid, there's a piece of me that thinks that Gratterall could end up with that job. More than Givens. I was high on Givens last year. Givens could have the job. David Robertson could have that job. Rowan Wick could have that job in Chicago. Uh, I don't think they're going to I think Rowan Wick is off. I think they're off Rowan Wick. That's the impression I got. That's fine by me. I don't From reading the NL Central Roundtable, which I I don't know if that came out today or not. But Bobby Bradley went for $6. So you were we were sort of in the middle uh, of those things. Uh, but Brasdorl, Gruderall, is that, <laughs> I just butchered that name. <laughs> I just butchered that name like I was working in a butcher shop. Um, I think he he interests me. He interests me quite a bit. Like, I think he could steal that stuff. You've been you've been talking about him for years, that, this crazy dude. Remember, what team was he on before? They got traded to – oh, the Twins. Remember? Yeah. And then that weird trade happened where I forget who was in that trade, but then – he ended up with the Dodgers. Like maybe that's what it is. Is it? By the way, on Jansen, people are really down on him. DVR, why are people so down on Jansen? He's going for a lot less than I I would have expected. Had issues with walks last year. Had one bad month in the second half that I think left people okay a little bit concerned. He bounced back from it though. I think August, September, and the postseason was fine. I think it was July that was bad for him. I think maybe it's that the Dodgers were willing to let him go. Maybe that's messing with people a little bit. I, I just think when I look at this Dodgers bullpen, and if I sound like a broken record, I'm sorry. Blake Trine is their best reliever by a healthy margin, even though they have a lot of good bullpen arms. So if they're just going to use Trinan in the highest leverage spot because that's what they want to operate now, he'll get some saves along the way. But I also think there's a chance that if it's a full-blown just committee situation, they're going to win enough games where if he gets half their saves, he might get 22 saves anyway. And the strikeout yeah, rates and the, and the ratios are going to be really good. So I just see Trinan kind of in a tier of his own. And then I see guys like Vessia and Bruce Dargratterall and Phil Bickford. They're all they're, they're like they're all good. They're all very good relievers, but they're just not at that Trinan elite of the elite skills sort of level. Right, but that might work in their advantage for being the closer, like you said. Yeah, it just it, I just think it might mm-hmm. be a partial share though. Like I, I if they're if they're mixing and matching, and that's a reason not to take Trinan, then. I don't think Gratterall can have sole possession either. I, the thing that's always confused me with Gratterall is he throws really hard and he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. Yeah, this is Nadia Strange. Just like yeah. Dustin May too, right? May, yeah. May similarly. 
we we've seen that. I do love Nate Nivaldi. He's so much fun. He's so good. Was he on the list? Uh, he's on DVR scene from last night. No, I mean I got to go consult the Casalino list. Oh yeah, I bet you. I bet you it's on that list. I bet you he's on the list. I, I I'd like to hear that list now. Uh, well, I got. I sent it to you. You know the list. Oh, that's right. You did. I betrayed his trust. <laughs> was it worth it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think he was going to share it with you anyway. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Continuing bouncing around, Ian, I see your cursor is on Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at 273. Did we talk about him on this show or did we talk about him on on Best on the Board when it was like, this guy's going to be just, you know, touching this amazing Yankees lineup and, you know, Okay, you bet eighth, but I mean that's still going to come back around for like the leadoff to come just drive you in over and over again. You're going to steal, you can hit for average, you can hit for power in that park, uh, dude. He's going to be like the new Yankees embraced. You know, New York loves this guy. Where would he come from? You want to hear a New Yorker's opinion? Yes, he's going to be really good. <laughs> I didn't even have my cursor on him. I wanted him last night, um, and he ended up going in the reserves, but I, I filled up those spots. I don't the, get that, man. Like, I think he's just going to get counting uh, yeah. stats. And- I think he's going to. I think he's going to run. I think he's going to get fifteen to twenty slow bases. I think he's going to play almost every day. I really do. I don't. I think they they don't want Torres there at shortstop, and they're right. Um, Would it be crazy to say like that Yankees catch? No one's talking about this. Gary Sanchez is gone. I, good like, news. That, yeah, but I mean, like, kind of for left as a catcher. Nah, nah. Yes, he nah. is. I yes, mean, he, he is. is. Oh no, no, no. I know, but but I don't think they're going to put him behind the plate. I think why not? If, because I think Kyle Higashioka, they really like him, and I think he's hitting home runs. Uh, Lindsay Adler doesn't seem to think so. She thinks oh, she's okay. going to be on the, the softer side of the platoon with Ben Rutherford. Yeah, who's hurt now? But I think like I think she meant eventually over the course of this. Let me see if I can pull. Lindsay would know better than me, but from the outside watching the games, the pitchers, there's something that Higashioka does that I love. When a pitcher throws a really good pitch, he takes his glove and he points it at the pitcher. Like, good job, buddy. That's good. It makes pitchers feel good about themselves, which is important. You were a catcher. I was, and I used to do that. I used to nod my head. And I remember back when I was a pitcher, there was a, when I was younger, I was a pitcher and I had a catcher named Frank Castiano, I think his name was. And every time I would throw a good pitch, he would like roll his eyes like, wow, that's a good pitch. And I'd be like, oh, cool. I'm going to do that again. You know, I was 12, but. But I think that has an effect on uh, on on pitchers. I really genuinely believe the, the between a catcher and a pitcher, there's an energy in that space, and that's why I never liked Gary Sanchez as a catcher. It's why I never liked Jorge Posada. I hated Posada as a catcher. Um, it's not that they weren't great fantasy players or valuable fantasy players, but I didn't like them as catchers because they did not 
do a good job between pitcher and catcher. That relationship is so important. So important to the, to the success of a baseball team. It's why the Yankees in big games in the early, in the nineties, 96, 98, Joe Girardi would be behind the plate for those games because Girardi was great back there. Couldn't hit the same way, but boy, could he handle a pitcher. Here we, I'm going to read from the book of Lindsay Adler. Uh, this go. is the team specific questions, part of the uh, AL East roundtable. I think three of these are out now. We're trickling them out one at a time for the rest of the week, but what does the catching split look like, look like in this post Gary Sanchez era? Adler. It's a little difficult to say with new addition Ben Rortvet dealing with an oblique injury that might put him on the injured list for opening day. The simple answer is probably that the lefty Rortvet and the righty Kyle Higashioka can share playing time and be platoon mates. My instinct is that Higashioka is penciled in to get a bit less playing time than Rortvet if he proves himself to be fairly solid. The Yankees know what they have in Higashioka, who is a solid defensive catcher but a light-hitting righty in a lineup that has often been too right-handed heavy. Okay. My hunch is that the Yankees see something in Rortvet's offense that can be developed and will try to build up his production and playing time. Okay, well there you go. I didn't. I didn't think until I read that. I thought it was going to be hit like Higashioka seventy five, Rort Vet twenty five. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Also, with the lefty righty situation, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm looking at this this thing that you sent me with Steve Cause. He's right about a lot of these guys, and I didn't get hardly any of them except for Glaber Torres last night. I didn't get Montas. I didn't get Manoa. I didn't get Carlos Hernandez. I didn't get Mateo. I didn't get O'Neill Cruz. I did stay away from Degrom and Chisholm. I do love Jordan Alvarez. Didn't get him. I am wacky for Waka. Ramon Laureano, I didn't get because of uh, timing. Glaber Torres, I did get. I do like Sano. He is going cheap. I wasn't touching Shane Bieber. Everyone knows he loves Nady Evaldi. That's true. I do love Jamie Candelario. I didn't get him. Did not want Varsho. Although I was fighting you for him last night, DBR. It was kind of fun. And I don't want anybody fun. I'm not buying Cedric What did Varsho, what did he go for? Because uh, Mike Curlin. 16? 16. Wow. That's a lot. Well, I, I think I would bid 15. Um, and I'm not buying Cedric Mullins or Robbie Ray. They're too much fun. That's not true. I bought Cedric Mullins for $21. <laughs> so, so yeah, sort of close. But yeah, no, I did. Uh, Cedric Mullins for $21 is pretty good. I'm pre- pretty happy with that. That's great. Anyway, so yes, that's that's the catch situation. The guys I really want to talk about today. Yeah, do you guys are, want, you want to jump around a little bit? We got a little bit of yeah. time. You, you, I shouldn't be directing this. You should. No, 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 no. I want the the guys I want to talk about are two guys that I took last night, and a third that I want to talk about. I got Julio Rodriguez for five dollars last night, and I got Spencer Torkelson for three dollars last night. That's insane. That's that's that Spencer Torkelson should be a fifteen dollar player. DVR, not fifteen, but why? Like, why should he be a fifteen dollar player? Well, he's going to make the team possibly out of spring training. He's a stud. It looks like he will make the team out of spring training. Well, let's say this. Julio Rodriguez. He he had 36 home runs with a three-something average last year in the minors. What more does he have to prove? He. So that's what I want to talk about. The new deal that the the major league players did with 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 the owners really does make it somewhat palatable. For them to take the top guys, the Julio Rodriguez's, the Spencer Torkelson's, and the Riley Green's, and throw them on their team to make their team better. Because of the the things that you get if they finish in the top of the rookie of the year or they finish in the in MVP over the course of the first three years. They're gonna do it now, it looks like. They're not gonna and if Julio Rodriguez is playing in the major leagues, he's gonna play every day, he's gonna be their starting center fielder. He might not platoon at all. Kelnick might be in a platoon a little bit. But with Kyle Lewis out, you got Winker, Kelnick, um, and Hanniger in that outfield. 
You had Julio Rodriguez in the center field. They want to win this year. They're spending money. Are they not going to bring Julio Rodriguez up? And if he is, he's looking like what everyone says Julio Rodriguez is going to be. Riley Green looks like a real great baseball player. Spencer Torkelson, the same. For years, we've been like, well, let's not take these guys. I think the rules are changing. I think that the top prospects who look like they're going to make the team out of spring training, there's discounts to be had for those guys. That's where I'm at. DBR, what do you think? I'm cautiously optimistic that teams will stop doing what they've always done to some degree. And I think there's a certain level of prospect that will fall into this group where they get more consideration to make the opening day roster now because of those changes. Top five, top six prospects. Like the elite of the elite, right? That's what I'm talking about. I think it it makes someone like Bobby Witt safer. It Mm -hmm. makes Rodriguez safer, Torkelson, those guys for sure. They're more likely now than they were under the old CBA to be on the opening day roster. I think it's still... It's still not a lock, though, even though it should be, right? This is still a, a longer-term problem that hopefully gets ironed out five years from now. And I don't want to think about the next CBA. It will make me very sad because I'm sure we're going to have a, a repeat of what we just went through, and I'm not prepared for that. But I, I think the problem I have with rookies this year comes back to AAA being so diluted last year because of all the injuries that putting up good numbers at AAA wasn't nearly as meaningful last year as it would have been in years past. What pushes back against that a little bit, though, is not having a minor league season in 2020. There were plenty of minor league players that were just trying to get right last season throughout most of the year, at least through the first half. So age to level is now screwed up. And then the quality of the top level was screwed up. So I just think it's a very, very challenging time. I'm just looking at I'm looking at what the guys are doing in spring training. Like, I'm looking about how are you competing against these guys now? Bobby Witt is doing very well. Do you want to move him up? I mean, I don't I don't know. He went for $19 last night in the auction. I think I was in till about 14 or 15 on that. 19 felt like an appropriate high-end price in a 15-team yeah. mixed league. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to – but that's why I wanted Torkelson for three and Julio for five. And then I would have taken Riley Green too. It's a lot. It's a lot of young. <laughs> it's already a lot of young. But I took care of uh, covering it in hopefully in the reserves. Um, by because what I did was I took uh, Tsutsugo, even though it's not a OBP. As a first league, baseman or an outfielder, both. He's covering. So if either uh, Julio Rodriguez is is not starting in the majors or Torkelson's not, Tsutsugo can cover that. And then I grabbed. Well, first grab Rasmussen, Drew Rasmussen with my first reserve pick, which was kind of nice and surprising. Tetsugo with the second, and then Nick Senzel with the third, who looks like he's going to have. And then Nestor Cortez with the four. I couldn't believe he lasted that far into the reserves, to the fourth round of the reserves. Um, Man, what do, are people just assuming he's not going to start? Is that what this is? No, he's starting. He's starting. He's the number four starter right now. But that's what, But so, that's why is his price so depressed? Like, he was awesome in the minors. He was awesome last year. And everyone's well, like, oh, he's, you know, well, reserve? Oh, yeah. He, he Not only was he in the reserves, I was considering him in the same spot as Rasmussen in the first round. I, yeah, I was either Rasmussen, Herman Marquez, who also fell to the reserves, who I figured I could start half the time, or uh, Nestor Cortez. And I decided on Rasmussen. And then I said, I got to take some bats now to cover for the kids just in case the kids start, you know, in kindergarten. And then uh, 
And then Cortez was still there in the fourth. And Rob Mershak and I, who was riding with me all night. Thank you, Rob. Um, he was still there. I was like, we got to take Cortez here. He's like, yeah. And then the last one here, I just want to throw this out there. The last one was a question of Garrett Cooper or Greg Holland. And I really wanted Garrett Cooper because I was like, I think Garrett Cooper, like now's the time. And this is a good spot for him. DH is available, blah, 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 blah. And Rob was just like, you know, I, I just love me some saves and Greg Holland. So we we went Greg Holland at the end because um, Joe Barlow is not doing good. I don't understand that, man. Like, I, Greg Jewett sent me an update yesterday to put in for the Texas. And I got, you know, like, I I was so busy in edits that I hadn't seen the news. And it's, it's like Barlow, who I just bought for $12 uh, in the ale only auction, is suddenly no longer in the mix for saves. Is he not in the mix at all now? I guess he, well, Jewett said he's more of the high leverage situation guy now. And who are, who are they looking to for the closer situation? Holland and uh, let me pull up Greg Jewett. Oh, good, good, good. Holland. All right. Atta boy, Rob Mercer. Yeah, that's why I thought uh, you really don't do the sound effects anymore either, man. What's going on oh, over there? Sorry, man. It's, it was it was a long night. Hold on. Gregory. Uh, the Rangers will be using a mix of Greg Holland, Matt Bush, Spencer Patton in the ninth over Joe Barlow. Updating the Rangers bullpen based on manager Chris Woodward, stating there will be shared save situation with veterans Greg Holland, Matt Bush, and even Spencer Patton. This approach allows Joe Barlow a longer runway, adapting into high-leverage situations in the major without being the focal point of the last three outs. The newly muddled situation represents another fluid situation already reflected in our high-leverage ladder. Jewett's amazing, by the way. He did this turbulence ratings thing for every bullpen um, based on how you know pilots rate turbulence in the air. And uh, oh, wow, That's it really, cool. yeah, it, it's 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 awesome. And then he paired that with closers and waiting. Uh, strongly suggest people read that. It's good stuff. There's another guy I really want to talk about here that people should should be should be on their radar, not under their radar. Uh, I mean, Joe Adele, Joe Adele, obviously Joe Adele, Joe Adele. Go but is Joe Adele, Adele going too late? Right, two sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. He'd go a little earlier. He'd go a little earlier. But that's about that's a. But but the other guy I wanted to also mention too is Andy Abanez, who you have at four eighty three. Oh, I freaking love dude. I love I, him. Yeah. I, I really like him a lot, and he's playing now. He's got the job. Brad Miller looks like he's going to be in the outfield now. I I don't know. I don't know. Andy Abanez, man. He's he's pretty cool. I, I I if you can give I, me a minute, I got a Levi Weaver, Andy Abanez. Okay, here we Still, go. Go ahead. You you talk. I'll find him while you talk. Also, I got a crazy Spencer Torkelson connection. Um, because I was gonna make a joke about you doing a, a movie with his mom at the end. Oh, okay. But <laughs> and I just want to make sure like his mom was alive. It turns out his mom is the oh, chief no. financial officer for Guy Fieri. Oh, all right. Well, is that there crazy? You go. Anyway. There's, there's a little, there's a, <laughs> that will not be for the man at the end. <laughs> for the man. I got a better uh, one. All right. This um, podcast is huge in Flavortown. It might be. <laughs> and and Norway. We're huge in Norway. Um, yeah, so and and the other the other guy who is interesting, it looks like Manny Margot is playing every day. Michael Waterloo just called him this year's Cedric Mullins. All right. Uh, Oh, here we go, DVR. Yeah, I got the Levi I, Weaver thing. You go first, then I'll read the Levi Weaver. Boxes. He's not going to be. He, he's not going to hit for that much power, and he's probably not going to run that much. But he'll be decent. He'll be good if he plays every day. That depth chart is just so frustrating to try and figure out. I mean, it's Austin Meadows is still there. Randy Rosarena <laughs> plays a ton. Yeah, they didn't get rid of Kevin Kiermaier yet. He's hurt they, though. He's he's banged up right now. I. Are they really going to send 
one or both of Josh Lowe and Vidal Brujan down again? Yeah, Josh Lowe is not starting up. There's Why no not? Like, what what does he not do well hey, enough to play in the big yeah. league? It's, it's, it, this, is this the guy that would start on 29 other teams that just happens to be on the wrong team? I, he, look, he might be up May 1st. He might be up in June. But I, I wouldn't think that Josh Lowe in Tampa doesn't have the <laughs> – they don't have the financial flexibility. Let's call our friend Jason Collette about it and ask Jason. But my instinct would be that you might see Bruhan up. Um, I would love to Austin Meadows to go away. But for Manny Margot, for I have him in ale only for eight dollars, and I'm pretty excited about that because I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have 450 at bats. Let's put it that way. But no, I don't. I don't think he's he's not a 30. You know, the thing about Cedric Mullins is he wasn't just like oh he's pretty good. He wasn't like Lorenzo Cain back in his day, 2020 hitting 270. He 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 went 30 30. That just doesn't happen, you know. So to say he's the next Cedric Mullins is 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 a tough. Tough sell. Well, I think it, that's backwards. It's not like he's like, hey, Manny Margot is the next. I think it was who's the next Cedric Mullins. Here are the candidates. And here's the closest match. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. And, 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 and you Read can the story. See... All right. There you nah. go. Here's a, here's a Levi Weaver, Rangers beat writer. Uh, which player with an average draft position over 300 will break out for the team you cover in 2022? Um, Angel said, oh, well, I can, do you want to know who everybody said? Angel, uh, Sam Blum said, Reed Detmers. Corey Brock of the Mariners yeah, uh, like was that. aghast that Adam Frazier was at 334. Um, Steve <laughs> Berman for the A's. AJ Puck at number 506 is a tempting choice here. Um, and then also threw in a Seth Brown. Uh, mm. Jake Kaplan gave us Jake Odorizzi and said he Good. realizes it wouldn't be a breakout in the sense of an unproven player, but Odorizzi's set up for a nice... Odorizzi's a dollar in ale only right now on my team, so I, he, nobody wants him. Nobody wants it, Odorizzi. So he might have been good counts. for the regular season. He might be a four ERA on a good team. Yes, with the boatload of strikeouts because of bulk. That's that I don't know plays. about strikeouts. The problem is he's not pitching enough innings anymore. Like he's just not going as deep into games. That's the problem. But if he can turn it back around, please, Odorizzi for a dollar. Throw an opener in front of Jake Odorizzi. Ooh, not a terrible idea either. That's pretty. I think Houston's that. done that with anyone yet, but that'd be great. All right, let me give you Levi Weaver's answer. It would be consistent of me to say Spencer Howard. After all, he's my candidate for Rangers bounce back player of the year. But I think the phrasing breakout is going to tip me in the direction of Andy Ibanez, who is ranked mm-hmm. all the way down at number 587. When the Rangers when the Rangers traded Isaiah Connor for Leffa early in camp, Ibanez became the what appeared to be de facto starting third baseman. But even after the signings of Brad Miller, Charlie Culberson, and Matt Carpenter, manager Chris Woodward insists he wants to give Ibanez, quote-unquote, some runway to prove himself at third base. Nice. But that hasn't really been in question. Ibanez has hit at every level, including the big leagues last season. The question will be whether or not he'll be able to handle third base defensively. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's fair. There you go. I think, I think that's very fair. The kid, the kid can hit. The kid can hit. What about Jared Klenick at 143? I'm not getting near him. Just not touching him. Are you guys touching them? I think that's more in line with an appropriate high-end price, and I find myself not taking him there because Dylan Carlson goes a couple rounds later, and I think I have similar expectations for those two players. And Kelnick probably steals more bases, even though Carlson is capable of running more. I like Carlson this year. I like him. I would like Carlson this year. I would like Carlson at whatever number one. He's probably going 173 or so. I like that better than Kelnick at 143, personally. What's wrong? Is Kelnick, uh, would you have felt better if Jesse Winker wasn't around, or is it just he's not 
Yeah, all the no. hype and all the, oh my God, Cano. Uh, is that, is just the Mets fans going nuts over a guy who turns out not to be that great? He just, you know what I didn't, I did, he forced himself to the major leagues. Forced himself. Bratted himself out in the minors. I should be in the majors. I belong there. I is where I should be. And then hit like 108. Nah. 181. 181. He yeah. played very well at AAA though. And I think this this whole thing with Kelnick goes back to something I've wondered about for a few years. And I think, didn't we talk to Ariel Cohen about this two weeks ago, Nando? Does it hurt you more to debut and fall on your face than to not debut at all? Like if, mm-hmm. Kelnick, if Kelnick spends all of last season at Tacoma and puts up that slash line or something close to what he did there, 320, 392, 624, sure. he does that with power and speed for a full season. We're talking about Kelnick versus Bobby Witt Jr. Yes. In the same ADP range. But because we came up and saw it for 93 games and it wasn't good right away. I'm taking Riley Green over Kelnick. I'm taking Riley Green over Kelnick right now. I'm taking Julio Rodriguez over him. Right. But but at that price, you know what I mean? Like, what did Kelnick go for in GDD last night? Let's see what he went for. Let me just remind you, there's a guy who came up, hit 220 with five home runs and four steals and 135 plate appearances. And that was Mike Trout. And that was Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure enough. Uh, Fair enough. And Aaron Judge struck out a ton and couldn't yep. hit in that first debut. There's plenty of players that come up and, and Absolutely. don't do something right away. And again, it's one of those situations, sorry to interrupt you, DBR. It's one of those situations where it's not that I'm saying it's impossible that Kelnick's going to be good, right? I'm not saying that. Like, he could be good. He could hit 275 and steal 19 bases and hit 25 home runs. That's fine. He's just not going to do it on my team. And if he does it, God bless him. He's on one of my teams. He's on one of my dynasty teams. So, like, I'm rooting for him. I just don't want to spend at 143 for him. And $11, $11 isn't 143 Trout the next year was 30 homers, 49 steals, and a 326 average as a 20-year-old. Yeah. There's a very good chance that the three of us could live another 100 years and never see that happen again. And that's because they held him down for 20 games, too. Yeah. Yep. You get him in 35, 52. Do you remember? And Harper and Trout both came up the same day. And in that head-to-head league, we, at the time, we had pick up whoever you want, whenever you want. And one guy picked up both Harper and Trout and ended up winning the league. And we had to change the rules after that because people were so annoyed. Miguel Cabrera <laughs> was the MVP that year. He was, he was. Oh, and wait, can we just say, and I got to run in a couple of minutes. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah, we got to get there. All right, fine. Um, but but um, Albert Pujols returning to the St. Louis Cardinals. That's fun. That's awesome. I'm really happy about that. I he think looked like an old be... timer walking through, like walking yeah, through that does. gate on the field. He does man. a little bit. He does look a little old, that's for sure. But um, he is yeah. pretty old. Yeah, he's pretty old. But but it was it was it was great to see. And uh, yeah, yeah, I got I got I got to hop. I got to hop. Right, unfortunately, let's get out of here then, man. You know, we got a lot of players who didn't touch. Who cares? Right? We got to we gave a, a lot bunch of them, good ones. We gave you a bunch of good ones. I think it was a very helpful show for people who are drafting this weekend. If you are, good luck. Godspeed. Absolutely. We got your back. Um, all right. For the man who refuses to see the beauty in Bobby Bradley, despite a lot of evidence to the contrary. Draft Josh Bell at pick 124. He's good. That lineup, the top five, top six, that Nats lineup is good. It's a good place to hit. For the man who did a show with Michael Kopech's sister, Ian Kahn. I did not. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope this helped. See you next time. Good talk. Good talk. Bye.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.